Welcome to This Is Not About Your Body, where we talk about all the real shit body image issues are actually about, because they're never just about the way you look. I am your host, Jesse Neeland, and today I have with me Summer Inanin, who is a professionally trained coach specializing in body image, self-worth, and confidence, and has also been known to call herself the Antichrist of dieting. Uh, she's also the author of The Body Image Remix, the co-creator of the Body Image Coach Certification, and the host of the Eat the Rules podcast. Um, I have been following Summer for just so many years. I don't even know how long online. I love her content and I'm so excited to have her on here. So welcome Summer. Thank you so much for having me. I actually, you know, what's so funny is like, cause I saw your Ted talk like so long oh, wow. ago, somebody posted it in my, uh, like my Facebook group for my group program, which, um, uh, and, and this was like years ago, like probably like I don't even, when did you do it? Was it like seven years ago or something? Probably. Now? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember I was like, oh my God, this is so good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. But you were sort of like, I think you were still kind of transitioning into like being yeah. more focused in this work, but, and, and so, yeah, anyways, it was just, it's, so I feel like I've kind of like been in your, we've been in each other's peripheries for quite a while. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. Well, that's awesome. Thank you. A little ego boost as we start this episode. Um, <laughs> I am going to have you start by uh, just telling me a little bit about like the work that you do and how you came to do it. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, I'll talk about how I came to it and then that will speak more to what I do. Sure. But I, um, you know, much like yourself and probably a lot of people listening, like I, I just never felt good in my body. And um, there's a lot of reasons for that. My mom was a chronic dieter, the culture. Uh, I was bullied a lot for my body growing up, like pretty yeah. relentlessly, actually, which um, really made me feel like there was just something wrong with me. And from a pretty early yeah. age, like I just remember having this sensation of like, I, I hate my body. Like I, I need to change it. There's something wrong with me. And so I started dieting pretty young, like, you know, around 13, 14, started to dabble with it. And then it it progressively got more intense as one does often, you know, you yeah. sort of go harder and harder with it um, because you're not seeing the results that you want, quote unquote, and, um, and developed really an addiction to exercise for, for many years. Uh, and it wasn't until I was in my, uh, like, I think I was like 31 or 32 that I started to experience some like uh, actual con side effects from all the extra stress I was putting my yeah. body through. Um, I hadn't had a period in a while and, um, and there was, I just kind of lost my spark. And so I remember yeah. seeing like multiple different doctors and it wasn't until I came across a doctor that actually looked at, you know, what I was eating and how I was moving my body that she said to me, like you, this is what's causing all of your issues. And my hormones were the same as a postmenopausal woman and oof. And so it just was really that wake up call. And yeah. I think, you know, you talk about this a lot too. It's just like, I honestly thought everything I was doing was healthy. I thought that all the behaviors I was engaging in were healthy. I actually had totally gone back to school to become a nutritionist because I was so interested in health. And I thought I can represent this. So I'm so keen yeah. into it. And um, really everything I was doing was kind of destroying my body. And so um, so that was really the catalyst. That was kind of like the wake up call moment. Cause yeah. I, I was more upset by her telling me I couldn't work out the way I was working out than I was uh -huh. about the fact that my hormones were the same as a postmenopausal woman. So it was kind of this like moment of like reckoning where I was yeah. like, what am like, what, what's going on here? You know? 
And it wasn't until like I started to really kind of look into it and understand like, hey, disordered eating is a is a thing, right? Um, and so uh, really doing a lot of work around that and working with some professionals around that and recognizing that, you know, body image was really the the kind of thing that was triggering all of these behaviors and negative thoughts. And underneath that was really just my sense of self-worth was completely tied to yeah. how I perceived how I looked and how others perceived how I looked. And and understanding that and going through that process of like healing and, and building up that sense of self-worth outside of how I look, I was able yeah. to then see that in my clients. Cause I was, you know, like I said, I was a nutritionist and I had people coming in my door every day who were just like, I trying to lose weight so hard and nothing's working and I hate my body and I'm such a failure. And they were on that same like restrict binge cycle. And I realized like, I don't want to be working with people around their food anymore. Like I, that's not really the thing that I think is the issue. It's, it's this other bigger thing. And so that's when I went and really focused more on developing coaching skills and then helping people in that arena. And so that's what I do now is really specifically helping people to um, yeah, feel better in their body and really just develop a sense of like identity and, and self-worth beyond just how they look. And I've been doing that now since I think like exclusively since like 2014, but kind of transitionally for over a decade. So um, it's, as you know, it's really rewarding. (laughs) It is. That's interesting though. I mean, I, I think I did know you were a nutritionist because you talk about it in your content, but I don't know that I realized quite how similar our stories were coming from, like I came from the fitness industry, but the Mm -hmm. same idea is exactly that, right? Like working with people. And as you start to shift your perspective, you're like, oh, I see, I see something completely different now with the work I'm doing here. Uh, Yeah, that's really interesting. So do you have like a particular demographic or type of person that you work with? Is there anything that's like, um, you know, your sort of niche in this space or no? Um, I tend to attract like people who I would say are more like Gen X, elder millennial and above. Like I've got, I would say kind of more like 40 plus tends to mm-hmm. be the demographic. That I t- Although there are some people in their thirties that I do work with, but, um, but yeah, which is really, uh, it's, it's great because then you have the intersection of aging too, which I'm yeah. really, really interested and passionate about now that I'm on the flip. I'm almost, well, I'll be 45 this year. So, um, so yeah, so it's like, that's a huge kind of intersection that comes into play. And I think for a lot of my clients, like you start to like, there's two things that happen. One is that aging starts to happen too. And then you really are like aging out of the beauty standards. And so you're Mm -hmm. just like, okay, I got to do something. (laughs) And then two, you kind of enter these like more big transitional periods of your life. Like when you turn 40 or you turn 50 or you're, um, like you're just getting older and you realize like, I don't want to deal with this shit anymore. Like I, I've spent literally decades of my life and I don't want to deal with this anymore. And so that's a, it's a really like, I, it's a love, I love any demographic. I really do. I feel, um, I don't know what it is about me that attracts that demographic, but it just (laughs) has kind of evolved that way. I guess I'm just not cool. I don't attract younger people, Um, (laughs) which I'm totally okay with now. Uh, And so like, that's just what's happened, but I love it because I'm, I'm actually, you know, in a bit of the process too, with the aging process, like, 
and really in, like really trying to like unpack my own internalized ageism like that's a that's a big thing that I've been reflecting on a lot over the last couple of years as you just look in the mirror and your face starts to sort of fall down <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's actually a really interesting topic I'm gonna I'm gonna like bump my other questions which are a little more basic just because I want to hear more about that um so what would you say in terms of aging like the main consideration or yeah like what is the big issue obviously aging out of the beauty ideals is like a loss of privilege it's a loss of status it's a loss of identity for a lot of people um but what do you see as like the big, uh, like what comes up for people as they're aging around body image? Yeah, I think a couple things. So, uh, one, your body changes, like when you start going through perimenopause and then once you're in menopause, like your body, your body changes. And so, uh, that can be kind of alarming, right? Like if you're, mm. if you're doing the same things that you've always been doing and your body is changing and yeah. you haven't really developed this sort of like unconditional acceptance of your body then that can really flare up some stuff that yeah maybe has always kind of been there but maybe not as strong uh and then second I think there's this feeling of just being like more invisible you know like uh you just kind of realize like okay like you're just not what's considered sort of desirable or attractive anymore yeah and, so you're reckoning with that. And then you've got mortality. Like you start Oof. to, ex, you know, think about health concerns a lot more seriously. You have parents that are either passing away or yeah. having health conditions. Um, sorry, one second. <laughs> and then, um, and so you've got the mortality thing too. And, and then, you know, your body is just like changing in a way, like your inside, I feel like for a lot of people, it's like their insides don't match their outsides. Like, that's what I hear. It's like, I look in the mirror and I'm like, who is that? <laughs> because you yeah. still feel like this younger version of yourself. Sure. And when you look at yourself in the mirror, it's like this disconnect. Right. And that happens with, with I think anytime our body changes, like whether yeah. that's like recovery from dieting and your body changes and you look in the mirror and you think like, whoa, what happened to my body? But with aging, it's kind of the same thing. And you're just like, it doesn't match kind of who you think you are, how you feel on the inside. And so yeah, those are, I think, some of the bigger things that I have seen and some of the things, some of those things I've experienced personally, for sure. And yeah. it's, um, and so it adds like this whole other, other layer to the process where you're trying to not only deal with any sort of, you know, anti-fat beliefs, but anti-aging simultaneously in a culture that is continually adding to the pressure right so you look at like what the golden girls looked like in the 80s (laughs) sure yeah they're the same age as the women on um you know like j-lo and (laughs) and the sex in the city reboot yeah Yeah, they're the exact same age and it's like what the how like what happened to these standards you know and so it's not necessarily like a bad thing that people look different they're trying to look like more youthful but the amount of effort the amount of time energy and money required to do that is so much more than it used to be when the golden girls would just pop on a caftan and roll about their day (laughs) yeah that's so true I mean it definitely feels like there was an acceptance that you are just going to look older 
And that was fine. I, I mean, I would be so curious now to hear like what women that age in the 80s felt about themselves, like what was their body image like, but it definitely feels now like that's unacceptable to look yeah, your age, to look 50s, 60s, like that's just no longer really something that everyone goes, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, well, it's like a new watch, battle. If you watch Golden Girls, it's like the most anti-fat show, like literally. Oh, really? I've actually never so. seen it. Oh, there is so much anti-fatness throughout oh, wow. it all. And um, I think any older woman in the 80s, like it was just like you had to be thin. And so um, not to say that mm. the pressure doesn't exist today, but now it's sure. like you have to be thin and you have to like, yeah. look like you're not actually <laughs> aging, you know? <laughs> right. I wanted to go back because something that you said about the the matching of the inside and the outside is super interesting to me because I think a lot about gender. I identify as non-binary. I've gone through my own stuff. I've seen so many of my clients go through their own stuff. And like a really big aspect of that journey is uh, sort of striving to find gender euphoria, which is where your like insides and outsides do in some way align more. So like it makes me curious is there is there aging euphoria can we do that or do you will you never look how you feel when it comes to aging past a certain point because your identity is just fixed at a like younger age you know what I'm asking yeah it's so interesting what can you tell me more about like what like what was your process I know I'm turning it back on you to get to like gender euphoria like what's the what's the process there for people or is there I mean right individual but like yeah just yeah it's different for everyone but I would say like so when I was trying to fit a more femme ideal that didn't ever feel like me, I, I felt a lot of friction. Like if I looked in the mirror and I was like very conventionally attractive that day, wearing a dress, and my hair was blown out or whatever it was, um, wearing makeup, I still felt like an ickiness, you know, like a dysphoric feeling that now I'm like sort of playing with clothes a lot more in in different ways because I you know I was like never encouraged to find out if I like myself in menswear like that just wasn't a thing I didn't spend my money on it to find out so now I'm like in my 30s trying to figure out what I like to wear but sometimes I'll put on an outfit that feels like kind of boyish or whatever and no matter how much I do or don't fit any conventional ideal, there's like a euphoria, like a rightness of, yes, like this is the person I feel like when I look at myself, I feel like me. So I'm wondering if there's anything similar in the space of aging, because I'm 36 and I do feel like I, I, I look and feel my age and I like my age. So that's good. But if I was 56 and didn't like my age, I don't know. Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I don't know, like, I, I'm, and so I'm just going to speak to it from my perspective. Yeah. And I think that, like, a, a couple things, and and I and when I'm working with clients, it's like one is like like really trying to just familiarize yourself with how you look, right? Because I think mm-hmm. like part of that sort of disorienting is because you don't look at yourself. Like, people yes. avoid mirrors, they avoid pictures. And so the image that they have of themselves in their head is like one that is like not how they look anymore. Yeah. And that happens with body changes. Like you probably see that, you notice that all course, the time, right? Yeah. And so like, I think that part of the process is actually like familiarizing yourself with how you look, like whether that's through like, you know, intentionally like, you know, doing mirror work or, or photo yeah. work to, to, and changing the narrative with what you see, right? Like, so that, because I think part of the problem is, is that, like the sort of attributes are of youthfulness are attached to a particular image Mm -hmm. and but why does that have to be that way because we've been conditioned to see it that way right so 
I, and so I think that like, it's a lot of, it's also like unpacking the beliefs that you have about the way you're interpreting yourself. So it's, it's almost like yeah. it, and the work really parallels what you do with, with bodies. Right. It's like, instead of kind of changing your views of fatness, it's like, let's change your views of, of aging and really try to, right. you know, alter those beliefs so that, you know, you can look at aging and be like, well, you know, being like looking this way can still be however, like the essence of me is. Yeah. Uh, if that makes sense. And, <laughs> and I think, I think so. yeah. And then I think it's just like finding your identity too, like, um, and not just thinking like, well, I can't wear that because I'm old, you know, like, or I can't wear that because I'm older. Sure. Like, I can't show my legs. That's a big, this is a big one. Like I can't show yeah. my arms now. I can't show my legs now. Um, mm. And so like, what, like says who, you know? And so, and it's, it's the same sort of rewiring process, like yeah. looking at aging bodies, like looking at aging bodies and like really ex- having that diversity in your, in your, in your yeah. periphery, because similar to body size stuff, like all we're exposed to is mostly younger people. Um, and people who are older are kind of like, you know, like I said, like the sex and city reboot type thing yeah. where they've had like quite a bit of, of, you know, stuff kind of like done, yeah. I think at least that's my perception. Yeah. Um, so you don't really get to see like a lot of, you know, people who are just kind of like embracing the natural aging process. And even the yeah. ones that do, they tend to still be very like thin and white and, yeah. um, like, so there's, there's still like this kind of like massive gap there where you're not seeing like a lot of just kind of unedited you know fat people aging for example yeah and I think that that also kind of contributes to that disconnect so I don't know if the process is necessarily the same because or if it's more kind of similar to like you've gained weight and you're trying to like yeah become you know like cool, like with the way you see yourself if if that makes more sense maybe it definitely sounds like it's more aligned with that because for example, like if somebody looks in the mirror in a heavier body and they say, I feel like my insides and my outsides don't match because I'm an athlete and I don't see an athlete, then like the issue there is not about having more authentic self-expression as an athlete. Usually, I mean, I guess it could be, but more often it's about unpacking the meaning you associate with different body sizes and athleticism. So I could definitely see that being the issue with aging much, much more aligned, like unpacking your association with certain signs of aging rather than being like, this is not an authentic expression. But then there is a little bit that component of like expressing yourself. If you feel like, oh, I'm this age, so I have to dress a certain way. Now your insides and outsides might not match because it's not an authentic version of you that you're seeing. And that could totally lead to dysphoria until you break some of those rules and realize like, oh, I'm allowed to do what I want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's so exciting. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no, to- totally, totally. No, it's an interesting question. I've never, I haven't really like thought, I'm sort of just speaking off the top of my head. About yeah, that. no, I just, and I, I thought that was just like a, an interesting thing to explore, but going back. So, okay. You focus on, I hear in your co- content anyway, body acceptance and body neutrality, as opposed to like body positivity or body love, as do I, I just wanted to hear a little bit about like what led you to that decision. Yeah, I think it was like a bit of an evolution. I feel like if you go back and like read the book I wrote eight or nine years ago, like there's definitely some stuff in there. I think I probably mentioned loving your body. But um, and so I think, you know, a lot of times when you're coming into this work, like that's what you sort of find, right? Like that's that's, that's That's what people want. 
it's the gateway well yeah, yeah exactly I mean right it's like why do I want to you know because you're you've been trying your whole life to yeah. think you're hot so um <laughs> you're yep. not ready to rocking with that um and 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 that's the way it's presented in in the mainstream is like you know uh, you know your body is beautiful and your cellulite is beautiful and all that stuff and and I'm not saying that's terrible but it it really is just you know it's it it needs to only be a stepping stone yeah. and um and so I think uh you know for for me it was really just kind of coming to this place of like actually it's really about more about like your self-worth and really detaching your appearance from that and so not having your appearance kind of define like how you feel about your about yourself and so that the the result is not like this positive necessarily this positive feeling like sometimes you're gonna look in the mirror and like what you see and sometimes you're not but the the kind of what we're really going for is like a neutral emotional reaction to that you know and not letting that sort of say like well there's something wrong with you or like you know god what happened to you you know um so it's more about like the kind of emotional reaction. And so, and then I think it's just another expectation, like something I heard over and over from clients was like, I should love my body. I know I shouldn't yes. talk to myself this way. And so they're like putting this additional pressure on themselves. Like they're double downing on the shame. Yeah. And I think, again, it's just like, we don't need another expectation and we don't need the focus to be on how we look, right? Like that's not going to do anything if we're still kind of keeping the focus on like how you perceive how you look because that's just never a static thing like you're just you just don't yeah you're you're never going to feel the same way about how you look every day because it's just something that's variable depending on you know like how you feel that like if I'm really tired and haggard like I don't I'm not like looking in the mirror thinking like, oh, so cute. Today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just like, oh my God, I'm so tired, you know? Yeah. Um, but it doesn't like define how I feel about myself as a whole anymore. And I don't make any drastic decisions about like what I'm going to do about that other than just that I need to take a nap, you know? <laughs> yep. I have a, a term call I call grouchy acceptance that I use yeah. as like a way of sort of basically giving people permission, you know, like if you, if you wake up with an allergic reaction and your face is all puffy or rashy or something, like there's zero chance in hell you're going to think you look good that day, but you also wouldn't make up a story about what it means about you most likely, uh, you know, and be like, Oh, I'm such a piece of shit because I made this happen. This is my fault. Like people are going to know I'm a bad person. Like that's not you just roll your eyes and go like, are you kidding me? Ugh, and then move on with your day. Like maybe you treat it. Maybe you just move on. But that kind of permission to be like irritated and then move on almost feels like nobody has ever heard of such a thing, like that their options are the deepest shamey hatred, or I have to feel cute. So it's like, it it feels very simple and obvious, but it's like kind of a revolution for people. Yeah. I sort of, I used an example like uh, on my podcast a couple months ago where I was like, you know, when you see it like a brown station wagon and you're just kind of like, okay, like I don't really like it, but whatever. <laughs> it's like that's yeah. kind of the reality. <laughs> like with a pic I think I think the context of it was with a picture that you don't like right like, yeah 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 so uh, you know obviously in the more in the more in the, in the relation to like you know not really liking what you see but just yeah. kind of being like the same way you react to like a brown station wagon like you're not just like oh my god yeah. <laughs> you know um so yeah it's it, it's and I think people don't realize that acceptance is really more of a practice you know than mm-hmm. an outcome it's like acceptance is just like accepting whatever is there if it's just yeah. like 
you know, I'm accepting that I don't like this. I'm accepting that, you know, I'm feeling sad about this today. And it's, it, and, and it's about like welcoming those, those things in instead of trying to like, you know, change it and trying to resist it and trying to like hate yourself for having that. Absolutely. Also, I really appreciate that you come to this work, at least now through a liberation framework. I'm sure that that's been an evolution as well as it has been for me, acknowledging the role that privilege and oppression play in a person's experience of body image. Uh, Unfortunately, as you know, this is not nearly as common as it should be among body image coaches and advocates. So I would also love to hear a little bit about what led you to that perspective and framework. Yeah. Like you mean when I'm working with other coaches? Uh, No, I just mean like- Or just in myself, my own work. I guess in, I assume it's in the work that you do with clients, but it's definitely in your content. Like you have a lot of um, content that kind of points toward the role that privilege and marginalization and oppression play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's integral, right? Because it's like, I think that without that, then nothing changes, you know, the, the culture doesn't change unless we talk about how the culture is causing these issues and speaking to the different intersections and looking at like how the, you know, the role of identity and proximity to privilege um, play. And so, yeah, like I, I definitely didn't talk much about that at first at all. Cause I think well, the way I was operating was through my lived experience, which I think is really common for practitioners, yeah, right? Like when you first start, you just operate through the lens of your own experience. Um, and then, you know, hopefully you evolve from that, but some people don't. And, um, and so, but for me, like, it was just, you know, starting to really become more familiar with like fat activism and, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, then interviewing those people on my podcast and, um, learning more and having those, those relationships and connections. And then, and just my own, you know, social justice knowledge. Like I never had any, I didn't, I didn't have any, I think I took one woman studies course in university, but I was probably like half baked the whole time. So, um, (laughs) Uh, so, you know, like, it, uh, like I had no praxis, right. Yeah. I didn't have that foundation. And so that's something that I've like invested quite a bit in over the years. Like it is just like those types of like that type of training and that type of education and collaborations and like bringing in the people who are the experts on those things, because yeah. I think that, um, without that, then it's just, it's again, just kind of looking at it through the vacuum of, of, of like privilege. And I think that, that's going to help some people, but that's not going to, that's not going to help the people who need it the most or change the culture. That's actually like creating, you know, the stigma and the discrimination that people face. Absolutely. Uh, so I know we agree on so many things that coming up with questions sometimes was a little hard, uh, because like the very fundamental idea that body image issues aren't really about your appearance is like just so important to me. Um, I know you've already mentioned that the linking your appearance to your self-worth is a huge one. And I know this is a huge question, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on what actually causes body image issues, like what they're actually about, if not how you look. Yeah. I mean, anything, right? Like <laughs> anything, yeah. um, it, you know, I think it's like, so the way that I kind of unpack it is like, so I, the way I sort of describe self-worth is self-worth is really about like knowing who you are and knowing that who you are is valuable and worthy. And so I think when either of those components have been um, like, not, if whether it's, there's just been an absence of that, like, cause I think a lot of times growing up, like we don't get we might not get reinforcement that we're valuable and worthy yeah. uh, or we did. And then that starts to get like kind of chipped away or, or um, 
like different events that might happen to us may like just cause us to kind of, you know, like lose that belief system that maybe was built up in us or we never had it. And then simultaneously with our identity, like, I think if we don't know who we are, then we're kind of looking at like our culture to tell us who, who we need to be. And because uh, if you've been like conditioned as, as a woman, then you're being told that who you are is how you look. And Mm -hmm. so like, I think that, um, you know, when I'm, for example, like when I'm working with clients, it can be any of those sort of like coming from those two sort of threads. Right. So whether it's like, I've just never known who I was, or I was always like this, like, you know, the the athlete, for example, and I'm not that anymore. And so that's missing. Or it's like, I, you know, like when I was growing up, I went through these different things and it it made me really believe that there was something wrong with me or that I don't belong or, um, you know, my parents were like really hard on me and made me like always work really hard and sort of see my value in the, in like my work ethic. Like I'm just popping yeah, off the yeah. top of my head, but there's, totally. you know, there's, there's a lot of them. And I think that whatever sort of happened there kind of starts to disrupt these, these two things. And then we're looking towards our, we're, we're thinking that in order to solve that, we have to change our body. Like we have to look a certain yep. way and that if we can just you know, look a certain way and keep that under control, then we will, you know, then we're going to feel good. Yeah. And it's really just a shield, right? Like it's just kind of this armor that we put on to protect us um, yeah. because it's not actually giving you the thing that you, that the, the need and the belief that you really need to have. Yeah. I was going to ask, how does that work, Summer? Tell us about how that plan works <laughs> to to earn our worth in how we look, to go about achieving this standard and then do we feel worthy yeah exactly right it's like I mean no <laughs> I think they're the most you know and we've all been through it I'm that's why we're laughing about it so if you're experiencing it I'm not laughing at you for feeling Absolutely. that way but we're laughing at it because it's just like been you when you've been on that cycle for decades it's like you realize that it's just it doesn't it doesn't give you what you what you need and yeah. um And I always talk about how like, it's really oftentimes like a coping mechanism for other stuff that's going on. So, you know, if you're feeling any kind of intense emotions and things like that, um, which those intense emotions are often coming from those beliefs, then, you know, we're just kind of using dieting and trying to change our body in order to um, try and make ourselves feel better. Yeah. Control something. Yeah. It's a temporary yeah. fix. I mean, it is, yeah. it's a, it's a great coping mechanism, but totally. it's, it's coping mechanisms are coping mechanisms. <laughs> yeah. They don't get to the root of what's there. And they're not thriving mechanisms. They're not called that for a reason. Yeah. That's actually, yes. That's a good way of saying it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what do you, what do you do with someone? I mean, this is so common for someone who just fundamentally doesn't feel likable, lovable, worthy, good about themselves, whatever. Like, how do you approach that with someone? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's pretty individual, I would say, but, um, a kind of, it's really the, the overall framework I would say that I work within is really coming from those two kind of things. So like getting, you know, knowing who you are and knowing that yeah. who you are is valuable and worthy and the, the sort of tools that, f- that would facilitate that would be, um, for example, uh, you know, changing the beliefs that you have, um, it would yeah. be around and understanding like how you're culture, the culture has informed 
those beliefs and understanding like how different, um, you know, internalized oppressions are residing within yeah. you, depending on your identity, um, changing, like building up self-compassion. So changing the way that we speak to ourselves, uh, is, is a huge one, right? Because if we are not actively reinforcing that we are, you know, valuable and worthy through the way that we speak to ourselves. And that doesn't yeah, mean all the time, yeah. but like, if there's not some level of kind of like internal dialogue, that's, that has, is coming from a place of, of comfort and yeah. acceptance and respect, then like your inner critic is going to be the dominant voice in there. Yeah. Um, Another thing is really around like the actions, right? So self-care and, and self-care, not just being like, okay, go get your hair done or whatever, yeah, but yeah. like really looking at like, how are you compassionately showing up for yourself every day? Like, what, what are you mm. doing? That's really kind for yourself. Like, how are you managing that so that you're also reinforcing this belief system? Yeah. Um, and then I think also um, the identity work. So like knowing your values, knowing yeah. your purpose, knowing the qualities that you offer this world, like really knowing yourself beyond your appearance um, and doesn't mean you have to love every part of it, but just knowing it and how that yeah. shows up for you. And then, um, and then I think also part of it is like really learning how to step outside your comfort zone too, like learning yeah. how to like move through fear, how to, um, make your life bigger. Um, because if we just kind of stay in our bubble, that can feel really comfortable. Yeah. Uh, but it, we might not be, that might not be aligned to like the things that we actually want to do. So yeah. The process is kind of within those different, like that's five, I, I named five yeah. things. It's kind of like the five part framework that I would use mm. when I'm working with somebody. But then within that, there's, it's just like, what's showing up and where do we go? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, I, that definitely makes sense. I think it's such a big question, but I know that listeners, when they hear these kinds of things, like, oh, cool. So I'm supposed to like improve my self-worth. How the F do I do that? Like, I like yeah. to always at least try to, you know, kind of go into it a little bit, even though it's not, there is no like magical three-step plan. You just have to figure out what needs work and work on it. But I, I think it's helpful to hear those laid out like that. Yeah. And it's not an end destination. Like you're not just like, yeah. okay, I did it and I'm good. Like yeah. I am like, I, I still struggle in a lot of different areas, you know, yeah. and it's tied to my self-worth. And so, um, it's just not about my body so much anymore, yeah. but it's about, there's other stuff there. And I think, so yeah. it's like, it's about recognizing that some of these wounds that we have are like, you know, you, I mean, you can really go a long way towards healing them, but oftentimes we're all going to have like sensitive and tender spots within us that flare up yeah. and cause us to, you know, just feel lousy about ourselves. Yeah. I sometimes think of like when you do the body neutrality work to sort of strip away the, it's like pulling back the curtain and, you know, it's like instead of the wizard of Oz or whatever, it's just a dude, like when you pull away the curtain of the the distraction and the coping and the control of body and food stuff, like you kind of just end up dealing with whatever's underneath more directly, which doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily like pleasant or good or even uh, fundamentally easier, but there is peace in it because at least, you know, you're dealing with the real thing. Like there's something calming about knowing you're dealing with something real and there's something agitating about like the wild goose chase of never being able to quite figure out the body and food thing because yeah. it doesn't work. And some part of us knows that. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're showing up to want to do this work, then obviously there's a part of you that is like sick of it and knows yeah. that it's not, <laughs> that you know, like you're yeah. kind of trapped on this cycle. And I, I, for a lot of people that takes decades to figure out, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, but yeah, it's like, it's not all like roses and rainbows when you're healed. I mean, with any healing, like whether yeah. you're doing like, you know, therapy work with trauma or whatever, like it sucks. Yeah. It's, I hate it. <laughs> I do. <laughs> but it's necessary. And I mean, I hate being on the receiving end of it. I don't sure, know. Sure. Yeah. The director of it, but <laughs> I love that. Part yeah. Of it. Yeah. But when I have to be like, when I have to kind of go through the process of like meeting with my therapist and bringing uncomfortable yeah. stuff up, it's like, I literally hate that. And yeah. I know how important it is because there is like a progression that you start to recognize, like things do start to ultimately feel yeah. better, but it, it's like, yeah, it's, it's messy. And it, especially if your body is changing, like, which I think is Ooh, yes. happens concurrently with the work that we do is that it's common for your body to change when you yeah. stop dieting. And that makes this process like even harder for people and makes them question like why am I actually doing this and yeah it does because like why would I it was easier before uh-huh. uh, but it wasn't really easier before you know it just it's our mind is really good at convincing us that it was easier before when we were dieting yeah I feel like that also speaks to like a really major issue in body image stuff is the weird and completely false assumption that there's like an end point to having a body like we all know it's not true we know that like our, our bodies are meant to change shape and size and, and aging is going to change things and things, you know, like pregnancy and injuries. Like we know that, but there still feels like such a strong attachment to the idea that you get somewhere and you stay there. Like yeah. you're, you reach your body goal and then you just are at it forever. Like it makes absolutely no sense, but people are extremely attached to it. Cause that's how it's talked about in like diet and fitness culture. Totally. Yes. And I remember like, I remember when I was like in my hardcore dieting days, like I remember like sitting in front of my Excel spreadsheet and like, like literally typing in the number of cherry tomatoes I had eaten. And I, <laughs> and I remember sitting there thinking, am I going to have to do this for the rest of my life? Oh my God. And, and, and it was this weird like moment that I, I, I remember so clearly. And I, and I think it was just, I couldn't even bear the thought of like, it, like there was some part of my brain that was like so delusional that it was just yeah. like no 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 it, like once you get there you just stay there and it, yeah. it and and it's so interesting to sort of reflect back on that now I just was not ready to reckon with that yeah. um and I say this to people all the time too it's like there are so many unknowns in our life that we don't look to hyper control like there's so many yeah. like you know I hate talking about this but there's so many terrible things that can happen to us on a daily basis sure. whether it's just through like you know, like uh, anything, right? Like get yeah. hit by a car, you have an earthquake, like somebody passes away. Like, <laughs> I hope nobody listening to this has terrible anxiety that I'm flaring. Oh up. no. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I speak to this. As but that goes to the morbidity thing too, of like you yeah. know, mortality thing, you know, like thinking about these things and allowing them to impact your thinking on an existential level. Yeah. Yeah. But the, for most of us, like who maybe don't have like who don't aren't wired towards being like more anxious like we don't really think about those things we just go mm -hmm. on with our life but for some reason with our bodies like there's always this sort of like oh my god what's going to happen to it and I have to keep it yeah. in control and you know what I mean and so it's interesting to see how that like shows up in that in that like to your point like how that's this one thing that we just feel yeah. like we can control and keep in this one spot 
Um, whereas like everything else in our lives is, is like so variable and yeah. different and we, we kind of just accept that. But when it right. comes to our bodies, like that's so much more harder to accept. Also, when I look back, when I was like the closest to this ideal, whatever, like when I was the leanest, I was, uh, very femme, it just like, I, I fit a lot of the ideals. And I would say that I probably had the most body anxiety then out of, uh, out of my entire journey, because I just like felt scared of losing it. I knew I had worked for it. I think that's the thing before I worked for it. It was just a natural thing. I just was thin or, you know, whatever it was. Um, and so that didn't feel scary, even if I was unsatisfied and had a lot of like negative body image thoughts and feelings, I didn't feel scared. Once I like achieved something, quote unquote, I was scared all the time of losing it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something people don't recognize is that like those anti-fat beliefs are going to cause you to either be dieting or be scared of gaining weight. Yeah. Like, so like, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Those beliefs are still in there in impacting you in a yeah. negative way. So like you have to deal with the real shit because yeah. otherwise you're, yeah, like to your point, you'll end up just being afraid of losing it. And, yeah. and I remember, yeah, I remember this. Oh, well, for me, it was just never enough. I was never like, mm. it was just never enough. There was always like, you know, it was always just like, well, I have to like, there's still this part of my body or there's yeah. still this, like in that, that. I definitely had that too. But looking back, it's like those things became more and more invisible and like hilariously, I mean, only hilarious now in retrospect, feeling the way I feel about my body, but like more and more hilariously, like, um, arbitrary, you know, like I remember there coming a point where I had like gotten into this shape that I wanted to be and everything. And I was like, started to obsess over like the ratio of my like femurs to calves to spine. And like, I was like, okay, this is the problem is like this ratio of my bones. So now I have to figure out like, do I do an optical illusion around this? Or do I, you know, I don't even remember what the thing was, but I definitely remember there being like, more and more minutiae because wow. I had dealt with the thing that was the big thing. I was like, well, I have abs, so we're good. But, but this ratio is all wrong. Yeah. And like, you can't change that. Like, wow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that was body dysmorphia? I mean, yes, but it was also, I think in some ways, just like my brain's way of coming up with something to keep me continuing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I just didn't, I didn't have any big things to do anymore. I had always been like, oh, I'm not lean enough. And then when I was very lean, it was like, well, let's come up with some shit to talk about now. And it just yeah. had to reach. And I sometimes reflect this to clients. I'm like, can we just pause for a moment and appreciate the fucking reach that your brain is doing right now? Like, because it's out of stuff to, to say that makes sense culturally, you're now focused on like, you know, your fat elbows or something like it's, it's become so minutiae because it's out of ideas and it's yeah. a very boring voice with only one message. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And it's just like, it's never enough. And it's, and I think that's what happens. Like coming back to the aging thing is that mm. you start to fixate on like your face and. Oh yeah. <laughs> there will like be stuff to obsess thing. over forever if you want it to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'll never run out. Your earlobes are next, you know? <laughs> yeah. I also feel like I say this about food and eating is like, if you were looking for something to obsess you all day, every day for the rest of your life, you could not come up with a better one than food. <laughs> it's constant. 
it's constantly like between hunger and fullness and feeding yourself and thinking about these things. Like it can take you for your entire life. You never need to think about anything else again. Yeah. It's that's so, so effective. True. Yeah. That's so true. That's so true. <laughs> and it speaks to like how much you get back when you don't have that because you exactly, like, yeah. get so much time and energy. Back yeah. You're like, Oh, I have like my whole day now. <laughs> Yeah, I don't need to open a spreadsheet to put in. Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, so you did a post that I really liked about uh, two different relationships that people have with the mirror. And I would say that this also applies to the relationship people have with the scale, which is obsessive and avoidant. And I would love to hear you just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so I kind of see two spectrum. To like two ends of the spectrum in that uh, oftentimes when I'm when I start working with someone, um, they maybe have gotten rid of their skill, but their body, they body check, like they mm -hmm. like, you know, body checking being like, you look in the mirror and you're like looking at the size of your stomach. So anytime they kind of pass a reflection or, yeah. you know, go to the bathroom, they like look at the size of their stomach and it's really, um, serving the exact same purpose as the scale. So it's really just a way to like, kind of like get either sort of receive validation or yeah. receive some level of like comfort. Yeah. Like reassurance. Well, yeah. Like, do I actually have control here? You know? Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's like oftentimes just like, okay, you've got rid of your scale, but you're doing this behavior now. Uh -huh. And it's just, it's still the same, like it's still coming from the same place. And then the other end of the spectrum is people who completely avoid mirrors. So they, you know, they, they're just like, I can't even look at myself in the mirror. And so I think both of those things are, you know, obviously coming from the same like body insecure place. Yeah. And so I try to work with people on, but it's different things on both ends to get to a place in the middle where like you can look in the mirror and you're just like, again, like, okay, cool. There I am. Yeah. Like go on with my day it's not obsessive. It's not like a checking thing. Um, and it's different things to sort of get to that place. Cause obviously yeah. if you're avoidant, then you need to start to, you know, like look in the mirror a little bit more, yeah. but if you're checking, you need to look in the mirror a little bit less. Yeah, <laughs> so, totally. Um, but yeah. And I, I think it's like, I think, I mean, both of those things are extremely common and, and, um, and something that I think is important to, to like, yeah. I, it depends on what you want to do. Nobody has to do anything, but I think that if you can just get to a place where you're comfortable with it and you're healing kind of that thing on the inside, that's causing that behavior, then things are better overall yeah. in your life. <laughs> I also feel like this, this spectrum itself, the fact that these are two like completely opposite behaviors to sort of serve a very similar function really speaks to the way that body image issues show up so differently and why the conversation around it has been such trash for so long. Like nobody has really understood because from an outsider perspective, it would look like these two people have completely different problems. But when you yeah. really get into it, they may have the exact same problem and it can show up so differently. The same is true with like people who, uh, you know, like avoid exercise like the plague and overexercise, right? Like there's there's so many different ways that this stuff can manifest and it can look so different that it, it makes sense that the conversation around body image has been so confusing for so long. Yeah, totally. No, it's, uh, I think, and I think it's just like, there's just not like body image has always been looked at through the lens of like trying to like how you look. And so yeah. I think that that's always 
been the sort of focus for people like at least from what I've heard like so for clients who come to see me and they're like oh like I talked to my therapist about it but like she just does not get it at all you know my god Um, and so happens all the time (laughs) yeah 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 because like people don't really because people just think it's like an issue with how you look yeah and um and so then therefore they're giving advice of like well have you tried losing weight or have you tried like putting on makeup or like you know what I mean like I did this sexology course (laughs) on um like sex in the aging population. And there was a whole like thing, one of the the lessons or or sections or whatever was on body image and aging uh, women specifically. And I wrote a scathing like review of the teacher because it was all like, you know, try things to feel pretty, like try a new makeup, get your hair done. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like you are so missing the boat here. But yeah, that absolutely is how it's talked about. Yeah. Yeah. And like that might work for some people, but like, sure, <laughs> it's not really getting to the thing underneath. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's definitely a room for a lot of improvement and just awareness too. Like, I, again, I think it's just like, not a lot of people are taking into consideration the, you know, the, the cultural component of yeah. what's, you know, what's really going on with, with the way people feel about their bodies. Yeah. So another hugely common body image trigger you posted about is taking pictures. Um, And I am curious just to hear a little bit about like what you see in that space and what people are kind of getting wrong about the topic of like the seeing yourself in pictures trigger that is like a body image spiral of some kind, you know? Um, How do you approach that? Yeah. So I think that like kind of similar, a lot of people avoid pictures. And then when they do end up in a picture, they have that moment of disconnect where it's like almost a jarring sensation where they're just like, Oh, I can't believe that's how I look. And they feel, um, an immense amount of, of shame or panic or some kind of, you know, intense emotion. And I think that like a lot of people just then think, well, I just need to keep avoiding photos, Yeah, totally. but you're going to be in photos. Like I hope at least, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, I, I hope that people want to be in photos because it is, awful when you have a family member that was never in photos and there's like an entire decade of their life missing when you go back to look at photos with them, you know? Um, and so, uh, and so I think like there's this common thing of just like, well, I, I'll, I'll just eventually be okay with photos, you know, like you have to actively do photo work like with anything, right. It's like, if you want to get stronger in a certain area, you actually have to like do that behavior. Um, and so the same thing with photos is, is like, in order to feel better in photos, you actually have to take some photos and it doesn't mean like going and taking like full body nudes. Like, sure. I think <laughs> it's just like starting with something that feels a little bit, yeah. um, you know, like take it, like Vivian McMaster has a practice where she's like, just take a picture of your hand, like just start with mm-hmm. that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, a, that's like a great way. Like, I'm always just thinking about okay, we want to get you from point A to point B. Like what's, yeah, what's that little baby step to get there instead of just going all the way to point B, you know what I mean? And so, um, it's just about thinking about that for yourself. If you're, if you're doing this work and and again, it's like, you don't have to like the pictures. You don't have to like, that's not the end goal. Yeah. Let's Brown station wagon it, you know, like like, try to be like, Hey, there I am. Like, that's a good starting point. Like maybe yeah. we can grow to appreciate it and really see ourselves for the whole amazing human beings that we are, but we don't have to yeah. start there. <laughs> Do you know Brie Cam- uh, Campos? Yes. 
So I had her on here and she did, uh, she gave a little wisdom around photos, which was basically like to, before you have them taken or, or you take one is like to check in with yourself about the purpose of taking it. Because if your purpose is to show everybody that you look good, odds of disappointment are pretty freaking high. If your purpose is to capture a fun moment with a friend, odds of success and satisfaction with it are also pretty high, right? Like comparatively. So she's like, if you're going in to look like a model, then just be prepared to be unhappy on the other side. If you're going in to capture a moment, then go in and capture a moment and let go of the other goal. That makes so much sense. Yeah, I know. I love that. Um, okay, so anything else uh, before we wrap up? Anything else you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to? I, I, um, I mean, yes, no, yes, but everything so, we could keep going forever. I know, like I'm like I mean, I could talk about a lot of things. No, I feel like we captured a lot. We okay, amazing. Um, so tell people where they can find you if they are interested in your work or want to learn more. Yeah, so uh, you can go to thebodyimagecoach.com. That's my website, and that's the best place to find everything that I do um, and how I work with people. And uh, I have a podcast called Eat the Rules uh, that is now nine years old that you can um, cool. go and check out. And uh, and um, yeah, and then on social media, I'm at Summer In and In, but I'm not on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I just got on a few months ago, and. I am finding my way through it. Yeah, I'm not ready. I'm trying to avoid it. <laughs> I get that. Um, also, it's like the younger generation. I don't know how many like Gen Xers are on TikTok. So well, yeah, maybe and maybe that's that why crowd. I don't get younger people yeah. that are not on TikTok, which I'm totally <laughs> okay with <laughs> for now. Maybe, um, maybe one day I'll get like a high school student to teach me how to use it. <laughs> maybe. So, okay. Thank you so much for being here, everyone. Uh, The links that Summer just mentioned will be in the show notes. So it was an absolute pleasure. I could talk to you all day about all of the things. Um, Thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Uh, And everyone, that is our episode for today. If you love this podcast, then you're going to love my new book, Body Neutral, A Revolutionary Guide to Overcoming Body Image Issues. You can find it anywhere you buy books, eBooks, or audiobooks. And after you read it, I would really appreciate it if you took a moment to leave a rating and review or to post or share it with others to help other people discover it. And I love to hear from you. So you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, or YouTube, all at Jesse Neeland. You can share your thoughts on this episode, send me a guest or topic suggestion, or just say hi. Thank you so much for listening to This Is Not About Your Body, and I'll catch you next week. 